Only 4% of universities in the U.S. are R1 research institutions, and Temple University is one of them. This means 100% of students have the opportunity to participate in hands-on learning and research with world-class faculty. With over 600 academic programs across 17 schools and colleges, Philadelphia's largest public university provides students with a rich variety of opportunities and propels graduates to succeed in their careers. Temple University. Schedule a campus tour today at admissions.temple.edu. Are you feeling frustrated with the job hunt? Are endless applications and a radio silence getting you down? You can now book me for $1 a minute for 30 45 or 60 minutes. Don't need 45 minutes, don't pay for it. Want to do 30 minutes now and maybe 30 minutes later, once you progress, let's do it. We can conduct a mock interview. I'll help you format great responses that make a difference. We can improve your resume and cover letter to help get you noticed. I'm here to consult with you. If you're in a unique situation and want input from someone that has seen it all and can help you succeed like I have so many others. It's super simple. Just go to jobinterviewexperience.com and click the $1 a minute coaching button at the very top of the page. Select the amount of time you want to meet, and then you can look through my availability without having to pay. Check out my availability, pick a time, and pay $1 a minute for 100% of my attention. It's blocked into 30, 45, or 60 minutes, so we won't go over, you won't get charged anymore than what you pay at checkout. Remember, the faster you invest in yourself, the faster you land that dream job. Go to jobinterviewexperience.com or follow the link in this episode's description. I'm excited to meet and help you take control of your career today. Arthur Gopak returns. Arthur receives a lot of the best data and has brought it with him to give you insight on the year 2024, how companies are hiring, what they're looking for, how job searches have changed, and much more. He's the CEO and editor-in-chief of Alpha Gamma, a business portal for young professionals with a mission to inform and inspire millions of readers worldwide to succeed in their careers. By helping young people succeed in their careers, his Amsterdam-based company reaches over 4.5 million people monthly. Arthur's team works with organizations such as UN, AIG, and IE Business Schools, among many others. Arthur, welcome back to the Job Interview Experience. Thanks, Matthew, for having me. It's a pleasure to be back. How do you think the rise of remote work, hybrid models, and I'm seeing a lot of return to office policies come up, how are those impacting job opportunities and candidate expectations? That's a, an amazing question. We do see the, say, the emergence of this trend that offices, say, the most of the companies want to bring their colleagues back in the offices. But at the same time, we see that more of a hybrid model being more and more prevalent, meaning that some companies allow their employees to work sometimes in the office, sometimes to work from home, but they don't allow 100% remote work. My personal take on this is that it really depends on the industry and it really depends on the, say, type of activities. I can imagine that, say, if we're talking about factories, right, there is very little you can do. You can't allow the employees to be fully remote. But then if we're talking about you know, any other industries, especially the ones that 
deal with software, the ones that are dealing with uh, perhaps service type of businesses. I can imagine that as long as there is a tech, a technology component involved, it's possible to work remotely. I see that companies, they want to have more employees back in the office because they saw the drop in productivity during the COVID times and and they want to kind of improve the morale, the productivity by bringing most of the team back. I can also speak from our example. Alpha Gamma has colleagues working remotely since day one. So we were doing mostly remote remote work like since 2016. But we see that not every company can can actually do this. We see that what is important for this hybrid work or remote work, I should work, I should say, to succeed is that there is enough room for employees to work and be responsible for. And then there is, of course, some guidance available to them, but they're not like micromanaged on a daily basis. Some, we see that, especially in Europe, we see that this trend is, say, is becoming more common. But then again, like I would say, these are the large corporations that want to have their employees back. I think eventually the job offers, the job descriptions, they became more segmented. That's something we see. And it eventually offers more opportunities to job seekers. So job seekers can really pick what they favor more. Is it 100% remote work or is it hybrid work or is it in-person, like in-office cooperation? The remote work certainly creates opportunities and benefits for the employers too. I think especially for small and medium-sized companies, just office space instead of having to rent 5,000 square feet Mm -hmm. and pay for that, maybe you're doing 2,000 square feet. And so I've been a little surprised. I think some companies are taking advantage of that, but exactly what you said, I see the the bigger corporations that already have their office space, so now they have to use it. They want to get seats back so they can justify it. I'm also seeing city centers and actual cities in the U.S. are trying to motivate companies to bring people back to work and actually giving in the U.S. financial incentive to employers to bring people back to work because it helps bring foot traffic basically back to downtown areas, more money going to restaurants and coffee shops and things like that. What I've seen a lot of is people can choose for their hybrid work, maybe two days remote per week Mm -hmm. and maybe three days. And I think maybe a good middle ground is people are doing Mondays and Fridays at home Mm -hmm. and then maybe Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday in the office, not for everybody, but that at least gives you kind of that at least four day weekend feel for people. But the other side of that with hybrid is it completely eliminates the breadth of jobs you can apply for because say you're in Austin, Texas, you now with hybrid, you can only apply to people places around Austin, Texas. Right. Whereas with remote, you can apply about anywhere in the US or maybe around the world. So it's certainly shrank down the amount of opportunities for job seekers. The other side is it's also eliminated a lot of competition for job seekers. So if you're that person, say in Austin, Texas, you were competing with applicants from New York, California, Florida, Minnesota, Illinois. Now, if it's hybrid, even in Austin, Texas, you're really just competing around people within maybe 20, 50 miles max. I'm seeing benefits on both sides for the company and for the employees. 
I like fully remote work. I think it depends on the person, obviously, and their working style. But companies have the square footage. And there is something to seeing people, I think, seeing your coworkers in person, Mm -hmm. getting work done in person. There is something to that energy you get in a room, especially if you care about your team. So I'm interested to see how it continually evolves as artificial intelligence Mm. is increasingly becoming involved in hiring. How do you think that's affecting human interaction? Mm -hmm. Yeah, so I like the bridge that we made to artificial intelligence. I would say that at least my personal take on this, that artificial intelligence should make the lives of us as human beings easier. So we should perceive it as a tool. What we've seen as a team of all different tools that are available at the moment and that are labeled as AI, we see that unless you have a knowledgeable specialist, expert operating this tool, then these tools are pretty much useless. So yes, it, they might evolve over time. They might become more user-friendly. I mean, there is even this term called prompt engineering. Then there are even debates, even if you should invest too much time into, into learning the skill, or you should just wait for the, the generative AI tools to evolve. I think that, I mean, to me, when it comes down to special discussions like that AI is going to replace humans, it kind of makes me laugh. I mean, what happened to self-driving cars? Remember, like about 10 years ago or so, Uber had this vision to to bring uh, like self-driving cars and basically replacing taxi drivers. I mean, it didn't happen. And it doesn't matter how much data was put into the software Uber built, it didn't help. So there were still lots of, lots of say, aspects that were outside of its control. And I feel that only in a controlled environment that's maybe entirely virtual or maybe when you only need to operate with data, they might be automated and hence there is the room for using AI. What I'm seeing is that, again, like this niche use of AI tools is not going to replace like proper human interaction. When it comes down to applying for jobs and maybe even interviewing candidates, we see that these tools are being used in some, say, in some corporations when a person submits the interview and then the AI tools try to predict the personality or determine the personality and eventually predict the behavior of this candidate in real work environment. But then again, eventually a human being can interfere and review the performance like personally. We're coming to a discussion of how accurate the tools are. I feel that certain parts can be automated. Like whenever in job applications, there are basic requirements like, you know, the tool prompts you to submit a file, submit a document, fill out a specific form, and then it disqualifies those candidates who fail to do so. There, okay, this is something that can be automated. But then the rest to really read resumes that made through the cut, I think that it should still be done by human beings. Of course, certain things, again, can be automated, but I feel it's about finding the balance between automation and how involved the human evaluators are. Yeah, you use that word balance. And for most things in life, there's always a sacrifice one way or the other. Right. Say you use only humans for everything, that probably the big sacrifice is time. Right. If you're receiving hundreds and hundreds of applications, your recruiters might just have to only read resumes and not have time to actually interview them. Correct. Yeah. The other side of that, using AI, you lose a lot of that instinct. AI doesn't quite have the instinct or real life experience to say, hey, I've seen someone with qualifications like this before, the direction they're going. And I think even though it doesn't make 
perfect sense as far as a formula, they might be a really good fit here. And so those are just two examples, mm -hmm. but I think there's, there is going to probably always be a sacrifice one way or the other. And the use of these AI tools, I think, is yet to be proven. But I think the big thing now is just mm -hmm. as a time saver, basically, for corporations. Have you seen any new resume tools to help resumes get past ATS resume readers? I definitely know that they exist. We don't apply them and we don't use them at Alpha Gamma. We know that some of the corporate, like large corporations, they use them in their recruitment processes, especially the ones that are looking for entry-level positions because it's basically a giant conveyor. And there they have, they have to process thousands and thousands of applications. I actually feel that actually maybe one, one tip of advice I can share with candidates listening to us today is if they consider joining a large corporation, it's better to find human beings internally who they want to work for. Because I can even tell when I was a student and I attended all those job fairs and whenever a recruiter told me, oh, I, that I should just go to their career page and just to fill out the forum and wait for a response, I knew that it's basically a way for, for the recruiter to brush me off. And then eventually the large companies I worked for, uh, I uh, connected with like with the heads of departments at networking events during different case competitions, during yeah networking opportunities like this. And then I was able to learn about the work that they do. And I was genuinely excited about those activities. And yeah, eventually they invited me to join their teams. And then of course I went through several circles of hell. So the, you know, the, the resume, the interviews, then several rounds of intelligence testing. But first the human connection came first and then all the procedures. So it's not the other way around. And I feel that playing the game by just applying through, I mean, I can explain how it actually works at large corporations. Basically, whenever they collect the resumes of candidates, then there is a pile of qualified candidates sitting on the desk of the head of HR. And whenever the, there is a need of, say, in one of the departments to have a quality candidate, then they'll be reaching out to their HR department. But most of the time, the hiring decision is made by the heads of, the, of respective departments, not so much by the head of HR. So that's another reason why a job seeker should connect with the like, head of the department or the head of the division that they would like to join, but not so much with HR. So uh, that's something I personally learned when I was a, a job seeker before I became the founder. But I can tell that these opportunities, they actually, they're limitless. And I encourage all our listeners to really look for them and connect with potential employers there rather than spending time and going through the faceless, humanless career pages. You forgot the word soulless. Soulless. Yeah, exactly. Those that's that, Yeah, exactly. Soulless. That's the right way to put it. 2024, will we see a rise in alternative career paths outside of traditional employment structures? <laughs> that's actually a discussion I had literally last week with some of the universities that we're working with. And there's actually a survey that was conducted by the members of academia and also the, the heads of HR in, again, in different parts of the world. And the consensus is that about 75% of the job roles that are going to emerge, not just this year, but in five years from now on, 75% of them will not have a professional training available. 
So meaning that all the new roles that will occur in order to take advantage of them, a person would have to kind of be a, a lifelong learner. So basically a person has to be open to other ways to, to upskill themselves. And then, and then they'll be able to eventually get that role. But no formal education would be able to fill in all those gaps available. And I mean, nobody prepared me for the role of the founder and nobody prepared you, Matt, for, for the role of the podcast host. So eventually all these role, all these skills, we had to acquire them practicing pretty much. And that was, and that's why I feel, I actually agree that just waiting for someone to teach, say you to get the right skills, the right knowledge in, in order to take advantage of the opportunity, I think we'll see less of that and more there'll be bigger rewards for those who are lifelong learners, who are open to new experiences, new, maybe even career paths. Of course, I'm not saying all is going to happen to all roles. I mean, I, if I'm talking to a doctor, I would prefer that doctor to have a formal degree. Or if I'm talking to a lawyer, I would rather have a professional who's certified. But in most cases, like if we're talking about, you know, degrees related to entrepreneurship, sociology, you know, those that deal perhaps with, with understanding humans, working with humans. I feel that all of that can be self-taught. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites according to a recent Indeed survey. With Indeed, everything hiring is all in one place and it makes it so easy. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences each day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. The more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join the more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. Just go to Indeed.com slash podcast right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Indeed.com slash podcast. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Only 4% of universities in the U.S. are R1 research institutions, and Temple University is one of them. This means 100% of students have the opportunity to participate in hands-on learning and research with world-class faculty. With over 600 academic programs across 17 schools and colleges, Philadelphia's largest public university provides students with a rich variety of opportunities and propels graduates to succeed in their careers. Temple University. Schedule a campus tour today at admissions.temple.edu. So do you think overall traditional education credentials will lose relevance? You know, th this is a huge debate. I don't think that the credentials would lose value. I think beyond just the hard skills, the degree universities and f formal education offers are, of course, the you know other parts to it, like soft skills, the way how you interact with your peers, with your with your fellow students who are essentially your, could be your future colleagues at, at any, any future employment that you might get. Another thing is how you interact with authority. I mean, the dean, the members of academia, I think all that kind of teaches you a lot of lessons. Of course, there are many ways how you can learn them, but I, I haven't seen like any other ways how you can learn all these skills while doing all of this on your own. 
And then again, I hold the bachelor's degree and I hold the master's degree. And I would say that, yes, there are certain things that were irrelevant. But then again, most of the things, they were irrelevant. And of course, nobody taught me how to become a founder, but I learned lots of skills along the way that are necessary to be successful as a founder. So I would say it's not so much a privilege. I think it has become the requirement to have those degrees, to have those credentials. And I know there are lots of conversations when I, every now and then I see posts on LinkedIn emerging saying that, oh, some companies, they ditch this requirement. But I think even Elon Musk mentioned this in one of his interviews saying that, hey, we like a Tesla or SpaceX, I think they're, they don't care about the credentials. But then again, they still have this in their job description and his HR department might think differently. So that's another thing. It's going to be a requirement. It's not going to be a discussion of should a person do it or not. But I think it's important. And then again, it's not for, I also know that it's not for everyone. So it's not hundred percent like, you know, a blueprint for a career path for everyone. I also know personally a few friends of mine who don't like formal education, but they nevertheless, they became successful in their respective fields. But then again, I met people who got the formal education, like they have the credentials, they occupy the same roles for five to seven years without any further career progression. So I think it eventually comes down to how ambitious you are, what you want to achieve out of your career. And then again, finding the balance as we spoke earlier in our interview today. We've talked about the emphasis of lifelong learning in the new world of employment. What resources and support systems are available to workers to continuously upskill? and adapt to changing industry needs? I would immediately the, say the source that comes to my mind is LinkedIn, because LinkedIn actually has evolved not just into a networking platform, but it's, it has evolved into a proper upskilling platform too. And whenever you, I'm not sure if this is the case for free, free user accounts, but uh, whenever you get the LinkedIn premium account, you get an access to their LinkedIn learning section. And there you can actually... Uh, obtain proper degrees even, and then you can connect with other industry experts and peers. And I even get invited. I'm pretty sure, Matt, you might have seen this as well, because like over the last couple of weeks, I got invited to contribute to different discussions, to different, say, I'm not sure if these are like courses or certifications, but definitely these are the, the topics that LinkedIn puts them in a Quora type of format. And then, then LinkedIn invites experts, like there are many of them to contribute to specific, say, topics related to either a role or a particular industry or the tools that are used in each respective field. I feel that LinkedIn is actually a great platform to use, to, but like I can recommend it to anyone who wants to upskill, upskill, well, their portfolio, so to speak. And then for another tool, of course, is Coursera. Like I personally use, use it like often. So whenever there is a new course, I try to follow it whenever the time permits. But I, I think there are, and I know there are many alternatives to Coursera, like EDX, then Codecademy, Udemy. So there, yep. there are many of those. And I would say that, yeah, it's more about, and then again, another thing is that there are so many of them that sometimes we shouldn't. Um, shouldn't forget that at the end of the day, what is important is the outcome, like the actual uh, output, because it, it's so easy to get lost, not just lost, but kind of bunker yourself in your room and then just do nothing, but just follow all these courses. So I think it's important to kind of practice more, like to say, if you have a specific project you have to work on, 
do the best you can with it. And then, you know, while you're following those, those courses. So that's another, actually, I see another extreme that's happening that I, I have some friends of mine who actually are like so much into lifelong learning that sometimes I'm like, I don't even know what is like, how, when do they have the time to actually do the work? I know on, I think it was Udemy or maybe Coursera a couple of years ago, I paid $20 for a very thorough course mm -hmm. on how to use an online software tool that I wanted to learn about very thorough. And there was maybe five options. I looked at the ratings for all of them and the reviews. That's what was most important to me. And I, this was a, a skill that people base their income around. Now, mm -hmm. for me, I just wanted to, I wanted to know how to do it myself so I didn't have to pay somebody. <laughs> I think if you found something you were interested in, you could say it's just web design or coding or graphic design, you could invest maybe a couple hundred dollars and become very proficient with something. The other side of that is if you already have a job and you want to stick with that career path, like we talked about upskilling, like you can make yourself dangerously good at something like way better than your coworkers, maybe even way better than your company needs, or maybe you help guide your company with these new skills. Say, hey, we're using this tool over here 10% of the time. I just gained some skills where I think we can use it 20% of the time, but get 90% more revenue out of it. Mm -hmm. So those are ways to make yourself not just marketable for the next job as an applicant, but even within your own job. And I think when you start investing in yourself like that, it can make your employer a little nervous in a good way. Wow, this person's becoming really valuable. They're thinking about themselves, so maybe we need to think about a race or a promotion. Mm -hmm. I signed up for a dance class on Udemy <laughs> or Coursera, whichever one it was, maybe a year ago. There's just so much you can learn. This is kind of a recurring theme when Arthur and I speak and on the show that's a way to make yourself attractive and also look into the future and see what skills do I need today? And then also what can I look into that will be relevant six months from now or a year from now? Mm -hmm. For listeners that hear us talk about this, just think about that pattern. And like I said, with that course I took, I think it, I really do think it was like $20 and it was by an industry expert in this one specific area. So think about that. And it's not in some things, you know, if you want a sales for force coding certification, that can be hundreds or maybe a couple thousand dollars. A lot of times employers will reimburse these things. Mm -hmm. But for a lot of this, it's become so micro segmented and the teachers, the instructors are doing this from home. Mm -hmm. And so their cost is low. They don't have to charge as much and you can gain just as much. Just something to think about overall for 2024. What are you and your team thinking about and seeing maybe a couple patterns you've recognized in the job market? Of course, there are some patterns that are timeless. So of course, those those individuals who invest in themselves, who make themselves visible, so basically their personal brand is on point, they'll get the most opportunities. Uh, and I mean, it eventually goes without saying that companies, whenever they're looking for, for the right candidates to join their team, they're looking at their personal networks first before they actually place a job ad. So I think there was this, this study conducted, and I know it was conducted in, at different intervals, that about 70% of all the like, vacancies out there, they're never advertised. So they basically what we see online, even on LinkedIn, is about 30% of all the vacancies out there. So it means that companies struggle with getting the right talent, the right candidates, 
And most of the time they would rather use their own, like their own resources, their own channels to recruit the right candidates. I mean, even I personally encountered this when I used to work in, in investment banking, that before we organized a case competition to bring the best candidates we could find, we actually looked at our personal networks and we looked for candidates who we could bring from our individual networks. And once we exhausted our networks, only then we ran the job ads. Another thing, another challenge with job ads is that they like, yes, companies get lots of uh, applications, but most of the time they're irrelevant. So that's another, I feel that in speaking about the emerging trends, I feel that this personal, personal touch, like connecting with people and really learning about the role, about the industry, about the operations of the company, be really like being genuinely interested in these things would be highly valuable. I think that uh, in the era of of data economy and automation, human interaction will become more and more valuable. And this is what I'm seeing happening. And this is what I think is going to be the trend, not just for this year, but, but for the next five years, at least. So being, again, like being visible, upskilling and uh, interacting with the right, say, experts in the field. I think these would be the top three trends I would identify. I think we have a pretty good outlook for 2024, 2025. What are you and your team excited about at Alpha Gamma and Opportunity Feed this year? We're definitely seeing a surge in in new campaigns. So more and more organizations, they're seeking to get talented individuals. And what we also see that there is hunger for curious, open-minded, traveled multi like lingual multi multi skilled individuals and they see that doing this like in conventional ways like through job ads it's it's not working yes companies still do it but it's becoming less effective we also see that actually opportunities more opportunities emerge by just i know there is this quote you have to just show up right so about 90% of success is about showing up the way we interpret this is that if you just become visible, if you if you make it known even to your network what you're up to and what and if you share the insights and trends with your network, then eventually new opportunities would emerge, even opportunities that you wouldn't think are even possible. So I think it's important to be open to to really show your work to the world, share what you think with the rest of the world, and then be open to what, to that feedback that you're going to get. As far as Alpha Gamma and Opportunity Feed go, what type of listeners should go to Alpha Gamma and what type of <laughs> listeners should download Opportunity Feed? I would say that in the, so those who listen to us, those who are at their early stages of their career, they might enjoy our mobile app, at least for now, first. Because we have lots of career opportunities and personal development opportunities for those who are about to, for instance, choose the right career path. Or or maybe if you are thinking of switching the career paths, the mobile app will be a better fit for you. And, and also, regardless of your background, say if you are either interested in economics or if you're interested in, say, healthcare, human design, motive, engineering, doesn't matter. You'll find the right opportunity in the app. Alpha Gamma is more for those who are interested in entrepreneurship, investing, 
like uh, in actually accelerating their careers. And the uh, Alpha Gamma is more for those who already know what they want to achieve. And now they're probably looking for ways to deepen their expertise, you know, or maybe to get a master's or PhD degrees. Yeah. And, and also I encourage to, uh, all of you guys to join our weekly newsletter. So every Saturday we release a newsletter with the upcoming deadlines of cool international regional opportunities that you can uh, apply for and either start, switch or accelerate your career. Very cool. Arthur, thanks for coming back, sharing your perspective and insights for what the next couple of years are going to look like. Oh, thanks for having me, Matthew. It's a pleasure. Only 4% of universities in the U.S. are R1 research institutions, and Temple University is one of them. This means 100% of students have the opportunity to participate in hands-on learning and research with world-class faculty. With over 600 academic programs across 17 schools and colleges, Philadelphia's largest public university provides students with a rich variety of opportunities and propels graduates to succeed in their careers. Temple University. Schedule a campus tour today at admissions.temple.edu. Are you feeling frustrated with the job hunt? Are endless applications and radio silence getting you down? You can now book me for $1 a minute for 30 45 or 60 minutes. Don't need 45 minutes. Don't pay for it. Want to do 30 minutes now and maybe 30 minutes later? Once you progress, let's do it. We can conduct a mock interview. I'll help you format great responses that make a difference. We can improve your resume and cover letter to help get you noticed. I'm here to consult with you. If you're in a unique situation and want input from someone that has seen it all, and can help you succeed like I have so many others. It's super simple. Just go to jobinterviewexperience.com and click the $1 a minute coaching button at the very top of the page. Select the amount of time you want to meet, and then you can look through my availability without having to pay. Check out my availability, pick a time, and pay $1 a minute for 100% of my attention. It's blocked into 30, 45, or 60 minutes, so we won't go over, you won't get charged anymore than what you pay at checkout. Remember, the faster you invest in yourself, the faster you land that dream job. Go to jobinterviewexperience.com or follow the link in this episode's description. I'm excited to meet and help you take control of your career today.